live. It's a good Sunday. You know why it's a good Sunday? Uh, because of all of you that gave me such warm wishes. We couldn't have a stream last week because my mom ended up in the hospital. We got to, I mean, let me explain the whole story to you. Yes, we're going to be talking about foreign investors and everything else, but I want to explain to you what happened last week and why I had to cut the stream like extremely short. So uh, right before I was about to start, I had even gotten a hold of my guest. My my dad sent a text message out saying that my mom has been acting a little loopy, a little, little, little off kilter. So all of us kids got together and um, gave her the what for, you know, like told her that she needed to go to the hospital. So we get to the hospital, we get into the emergency room, they said she had had a heart attack. And so I was like, oh my God, you know, it was super scary. And she was acting super loopy. Uh, fast forward, like lots of tests, lots of like, you know, stuff going on in the hospital. She had uh, some breathing lung issues. She does have uh, COPD. Um, she like had whooping cough as a kid. And then like, you know, of course we all smoked back in the day. So no judgment for me, <laughs> you know, we all did it. And so, um, now she, she just has a lot of trouble taking in oxygen and it's making her loopy, you know, like when you can't, when you can't breathe and you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain, it will make things off kilter. And that's what has happened. So she'll be on, on oxygen for the rest of her life. But she, other than that, she's totally fine and she's going to be fine. And I just want to thank everybody that sent out the well wishes and understood what was going on and why the live stream didn't happen last week. Um, I just appreciate every single one of you because, you know, there were so many nice well wishes and my mom is going to be great. Um, but family does come first. So that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. I just, I mean, I always am the kind of person that like, I hate when something like that happens and they don't tell you what happened. I felt like I needed to tell you what happened <laughs> and that she is going to be fine. Um, I check on her all the time now and uh, she can't like, you know, how like when you want to do your hair and you can't breathe. She has like 10 tons of hairspray. So I had to go over, I've been going over there and like fixing her hair and, you know, doing little stuff for them. So anyway, anyways, my mom's fine. Fast forward, let's go, let's talk about foreign investors. So this was really super interesting to me because an article came out a couple of days ago saying that foreign investors are pulling out of the real estate market. And we're going to get into the reasons why. The next article that came out while I was making this thumbnail for this live stream, I'm going to read it to you right afterwards, because I want you to realize how headlines and news just get so incredibly twisted. Like you have to read the articles in order to understand what's really going on. And you have to consider the freaking sources on this garbage. You know, like, I don't know. I, I read articles all the time. And it's like you read one article and it's like showing you all the reasons why this was going to possibly happen. Then you read the next article and they give all the reasons why this isn't going to happen. But, you know, like you have to see which one is actually giving you data, which one is just, you know, like a feeling, you know, like, oh, this is how I feel about it. You know, um, you really have to dig into it. And, you know, it's just to me, why do we have to be like this? Why can't news be just that the news you remember when they just read the news you know just just give us the facts jack don't i don't care about your opinions you know unless you're on a talk show like this <laughs> you want to hear my opinion that's why you're here <laughs> so let's get it let's get into it oh and you know what i have to ask you guys while we're here before we get into the article 
where are you all from? Like, I look, we got somebody from Brazil. I want to know where everybody's from. Put that up on the screen. And Eddie, can you pull up the article while people are typing that in? Da, 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 da. Foreign buyers are bailing out on the U.S. housing market. And here's why. This is uh, this is from uh, this is from NBC, right, Eddie? MSNBC, MSNBC. Yeah, MSNBC, Eddie, or CNBC. One of those. I, I, I trust them when it comes to the housing market. International buyers purchased about 14% fewer homes in the past year, at least since the, uh, the National Association of Realtors, Realtors began tracking this statistic since 2009. But the median home prices they purchased was around 396400 the highest the real, realtors have ever recorded. But you got to remember the median home price right now is over 400,000, which actually rose. Uh, international uh, buyers are pulling out back from the US. Uh, mortgage rates are soaring, meager home supply, uh, and the strong dollar all make purchases much less financially attractive. From April of last year, this March, international buyers bought roughly 84,600 homes. Hey, Eddie, that little, like the little bird thing is covering up the words. The little, oh, you got to get the bird. Okay, there we go. That's the lowest number since the National Association of Realtors began tracking such purchases in 2009 and 14% drop from a year before. And while overseas buyers fought for fewer homes, they paid more for them. The median home prices they purchased for was $396,400. Um, China, Mexico. Now, I want you to listen to this. China, Mexico, Canada, India, and Colombia were the top five countries of origin for international buyers of existing homes by numbers of houses, not dollar volume. The survey does not count the new construction where international buyers are also attractive. Chinese buyers had the highest average purchase of 1.23 million, likely the because of the third of them bought Cal in California where the high prices are higher. In total, 15% of foreign buyers bought homes worth a million dollars. Home purchases from Chinese buyers increased after China relaxed world's uh, strictest pandemic lockdown policy, while buyers from India were helped by country's strongest GB GDP growth, says Lawrence Yoon of the, you know, he's a, he's part of the National Association of Realtors. <laughs> His strong, uh, strong Mex Mexican peso against the U.S. dollar has likely contributed to the rise of Mexican buyers. While foreign sales dropped overall, Chinese purchase did make the sizable gains. The total Chinese home purchase is the highest since 2018, which is one of the peak years for Chinese international property pur purchasing. According to, I'm not even going to try to say that name. Uh, I, I would butcher it. Uh, an Asian, an, an Asian based international real estate technology group. So, uh, all right. Who are we, we're seeing people from Kingsport. We're seeing people from small town USA. <laughs> we're seeing people all over the place, all over the place. So Colorado. Yep. Wyoming, Minnesota, <gasps> Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Massachusetts is my hometown. Yeah. We got people from all over the country. I love it. Oh, Rebecca used to live in Baton Rouge. Yep. Uh, LA, comfy Fornia. <laughs> This is so cute. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to see everybody from around the country coming in and, and saying hello. That's, it's awesome to see everybody. Um, okay. 
So before we get any deeper, G, we have a poll that came up and um, I want to know what everybody thinks. Uh, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think it's a good thing that um, home investors are going to check out? Eddie, if you can't pull up the poll, I can. Because this is what the poll is saying. I'm going to pull it up. Okay, here. Excuse my, uh, my. I have another screen open. The poll over here says, uh, is foreign investors pulling out of the housing market a good sign? And everybody's saying no, says 20%. Everybody's saying yes. It's less competition for homes, says 48%. Uh, maybe it's good, but it makes me nervous about 15%. And somebody's, some of y'all said, 17% said, don't care. Nothing's cheap. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, uh, I agree. I don't think this is a terrible thing. I don't think it's a terrible thing that uh, for a lot of foreign investors are buying, you know, any less competition for the average home buyer, just trying to get into either their first or second home in the with the lack of supply of homes that we have in the United States right now, it to me is a good thing. Um, some uh, economists may think it's a bad thing, you know, cause it's saying that, you know, our, our, that makes our markets look weak or whatever, that it's not a good place to invest. And, you know, this is a bad sign. I personally, me personally, do not feel like it's a bad sign because it lets the regular guy trying to find a house not have to compete for it. But let me know what you guys think. Let me guys know what you guys think. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're the ones who matter. <laughs> I just look at these numbers and articles all day long. <laughs> oh, somebody so said uh, like six months so of winter. Johnny O was coming in with a hot, 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 summer hot with a $100 super chat. You know, that $100 super chat means it's 100 degrees outside out right now. And it is. I have to look. I went outside yesterday. It was 101. And I don't know if anybody knows about Louisiana weather. It is humid. So 101 made me feel gag, super gag. I'm ready for, I'm ready for the fall. It's 99 degrees. <laughs> it's 99. <laughs> yep. Oh, we got even got Brooklyn, New York. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in New York for a day for a meeting uh, on next Saturday, next Saturday, just, just for one day though. So but all right. So if you own, or if you're the person that only reads the headlines and sees that foreign buyers are are the ones that are pulling out, they're saying no more. You know, let let's let's look at the other article that came out because right I just saw it like right above it. <laughs> Some people agree with me. Yep. So this article came out. China housing market is so bad that people are rushing to the U.S to buy a home. But if you saw that other article and you were like, foreign investors are pulling out, then you saw this one, you'd be kind of confused, right? <laughs> Headlines. Uh, China's housing market is so tough that uh, buyers are heading to the US to purchase a home. Chinese buyers spent 13.6 billion in the US real estate in the last year, since uh, March, 2023. But you know, the median income was over, uh, you know, it was 397, almost 400,000. And they were buying a lot of homes in over a million. A shaky economy and lower confidence in pro uh, the property sector have weakened the the Chinese housing market. Yeah. Who, uh, who is this article from, uh, Eddie? 
Do do. Oh, Market Insider. Market Insider. Okay, scroll down. Thank you. Uh, China's housing market is so bad, homebuyers appear to be flocking overseas to purchase a home in the U.S., according to the National Association of Realtors. Chinese buyers make up the biggest source of foreign capital in the residential real estate market through the year ending March of 2023. Uh, with buyers spending over $13.6 billion on U.S. Real, uh, real residential properties. See, they're not even buying commercial properties, they're buying residential that is more than double the amount spent in the year prior, with Chinese buyers spending 6.1 on purchasing homes the year ending March of 2022. Chinese buyers represent 13% of the foreign buyer foreign buyer home purchases in the U.S., up from 6% of foreign purchases last year. Their median purchase price was 723200 almost double the median home price of 419,000 per Redfin. But the other article said, oh, I guess that was foreign investors total was the median price was 400. But they were saying that more Chinese buyers were heading towards a million. So that makes sense because it was like what the median was like 700. Eddie, pull that back up. 700 and what? Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, you pulled my article away too soon. Uh, 723,200. A shift from recent trends, most uh, buyers purchased homes as a primary and secondary residence rather than investment, uh, the NAR report said. So I want to um, tell you guys about three, two or three years ago, I had a, a real estate agent on. His name was Brad McCallum. And he was saying some provinces in Canada had a large amount of foreign investors, and a lot of them being Chinese investors. And they were buying two or three homes and leaving them vacant, like just buying them to keep them as, you know, like a, a property, an investment property, but would never had any intent of living there and never had any intent of renting those properties. It became such a problem and prices increased so badly that some some areas, some provinces made it a fine or, you know, they got taxed higher because they left it vacant. So several of them like either A, got sold, or B, ended up turning into rental properties. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. I mean, you guys let me know. The increase in U.S. real estate uh, interest comes amid the downturn in the Chinese domestic housing market, with sales plunging through uh, the first half of the year. Though the government has implemented measures to boost the property market, new home sales plummeted 33% year over year in July. Uh, up from 28% annual decline in June. That's largely due to the nation's economic woes with the youth unemployment rate recently notched at 21%, as well as the shaking confidence in the property sector of major uh, property firms defaulting in 2022. You remember, uh, I did a live stream on this too, when um, uh, several banks were having problems uh, a couple of years ago. So waning attraction in the Chinese real estate spells trouble for the uh, nation's broader econ uh, economy as the housing sector makes up around 25% of the GDP while accounting for activity in related sectors per estimated GP Morgan. So um, I don't know. I think, I think that Canada had it right. So if we have a bunch of foreign investors coming in, just buying houses and leaving them vacant because they're going to use them as like a stock, you know, they're using it as like a stock. Well, we're just going to hold on to it and not do anything with it. I think there should be an additional tax to it. 
I don't think that's a bad idea. I think Canada got that right. Um, you know, any any foreign investor that buys a property, leaves it vacant, um, if they're not living there for at least uh, six months and one day, if it doesn't have anybody living in that house for six months and one day, they have to pay an additional tax, uh, a property tax. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, I know, and I re realize that people have like vacation homes and they wouldn't be living there year round, but you know, you can't leave it vacant, my friends. <laughs> Arizona windows beating you. <laughs> We're melting. It's awful. Yeah, I've seen it. I saw people cooking. This is no joke. I saw people making uh, cookies in their car. They were putting it on the the dashboard of their car, and you know, with a metal pan and cooking, making cookies. Wild. It's too hot. Yep. Um, Eddie, tell me if anybody has said that they think that it is a good idea. 30 Days Reviews has said it's, uh, I say just make it illegal, period. You can't do that. You can't, you can't make it illegal. You can't make it illegal for someone to purchase real estate, but there has to be a purpose for it other than sitting, letting it sit there vacant. And, you know, they would get, a, anybody would get around it anyways. They would just create a corporation in the United States to buy properties. I mean, you can't make it illegal. It wouldn't work. There would be too much legwork to make sure that those people like mm -mm, not going to work, not going to work. Uh, not only that, one of the biggest investment firms here in the United States for uh, rental properties is out of Canada. You know, those build to rent houses or yeah, yeah, it's out of Canada. And they're investing here in the United States all through the Sun Belt. Tricon is the name. Tricon is that company. Uh, I looked for three years and everyone bid over me, was about to live in my car, had to move out of a $300,000 house I was renting. You know, and that is the other thing. They, for two years, promised us that they were going to make more housing, more apartments, more rental units to offset the problem with the affordability crisis. Like that was their solution. Here we are in 2023. Where are the apartments that they promised to make rents come down? Where where are all these multifamily units? I mean, I realize that it takes time, but at this point, when you said you were going to start it in 2020 and it's 2023, three years is enough time to get an apartment building put together, in my opinion. Maybe not in a city, but in a smaller town, you could certainly do it. Falsificationism says, uh, buyer priority for list. Real human never owned. Yes. <laughs> real human homeowners. Correct. Real humans outside the home. Yes. Real humans and small investors. Yes. Real uh, foreign investors, real humans, fake humans and corporations. You know, that, that's the whole thing is that corporations make up, uh, are making up a lot of the buying of homes. I have a, like, I've been doing a series. I've been doing like once a month because I keep sounding the alarm about this. And it seems that more people are actually listening. There is a record number of investors that are building homes that are built to rent. They do not want a supply of homes that younger people can purchase they realize that the younger generations are not going to have the same kind of wealth that the older generations have. So instead of building homes that people can afford, they're building homes that people can rent and they're going to make a mo money off of them until the day that they die. This is a terrible idea. This to me is an 
awful idea. And I keep making videos about them, basically repeating the same things over and over again, because they use the same script in every single one of these news article pieces in these um, just even just a news article that's written blogs. They keep saying that younger people do not want to own a house. They're, they're, that's what they're saying. They don't want to be tied down to a house because they're too no, they're too nomadic. They want to, they want the freedom of being able to do whatever they want to do and not have to be tied down to a mortgage. We know you and I know that's a lie. They're trying to sell this garbage to us. They would love to be able to afford a home, but they can't find anything in their price range. If, and if you look, you know, cause prices were supposed to crash, they keep raising. And now they've changed their expectations to say that they're probably going to raise again next year. What? Because we do not have enough supply of homes. So if they continuously go up and there isn't enough homes being built to fill the need and they're just filling it up with rental units, home prices will continue to go up. They will not remain stagnant and younger people will never be able to afford a home. And that is the biggest scam that they're doing to people. This is messed up. This is a way that to bring generational wealth down where it keeps people chained for life. I. I'm just, it makes me nauseated. It makes me nauseated. Anyways, I went on a rant. <laughs> I went on a rant. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. We have a question. Creative Google Fund says, question, can you do a show about uh, migration patterns in the U.S. and what you're seeing in your referral businesses? Yeah, I can totally do that. Um, I will tell you that the, shockingly, do you know where I, I, I want everybody to guess this? Where do you think I send out the most referrals? What state do I give the most referrals to? You, you, this will shock you. What state do you think I give the most referrals for clients to? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm really interested to in what you guys say. First person that gets it, uh, we'll, we'll give you a round of applause. <laughs> nope, not Texas, not Tennessee. Nope, 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 nope. Florida, nope. Nope. You would think it would be those states. Nope, not Florida, not Oklahoma, not Florida. Who got it? California, right there. California. I do the most referrals to California. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the, number two is Florida. Number two is Florida. And and then uh, number three is, is it New Jersey? Number three is either New Jersey or Missouri. I'll have to look that up. Yep. <laughs> Everybody gave you a round of applause. All right. Next question. I saw some questions come. <laughs> That's like living in a truck death trap. But most of the people that live there that, that ask for a referral already live in California and they're just trying to find a good real estate agent. They're not looking to leave. Um, they're not like, they're not, uh, or they're transferring there. Like they live, lived in Austin, Texas, and they want to move, they have to move back to California. So, yep. I was surprised on how many people have to leave Austin and go back to California. That was shocking to me too. All right, Eddie, next question of my love. Eddie, my love, I love you so. All right, I'll stop. 
stop singing. I'll stop singing. All right. Lexical Gap has a question. It says, in uh, opinion on lake houses as primary secondary homes. Oh, that that would be your. That's up to you. I mean, I will tell you this. I live in uh, South Louisiana. We have bayous here. If I had a choice between a lake where the likelihood of it flooding is a lot less than the bayous, I would pick a lake home. I mean, when I was a kid, we lived near a lake. I like lake houses. Um, if you, if that's what you want to do, I would do it. I mean, if you can do it, I, I mean, I'm kind of jelly. If you have that option to do it, I love, I love lake houses. I think they're fantastic. I think I like, because I grew up near a lake. And then I remember as a kid, remember on golden pond, do you remember that? <laughs> I remember our parents watching it. I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. It's so picturesque. I love a lake house. I would much rather live on a lake than I would near the ocean or near a bayou, you know, like, you know, the hurricanes happen all the time. Flooding happens all the time. Likelihood of, of a lake flooding is a lot less than like a hurricane on the, on the coast. Just make sure it's built up higher. Yep. Ooh, this is a great screen name. Burn it up. I'm a millennial and took advantage of the low rates. Freaking fantastic. Those around me listened to the crash bros. Oh, I know. And stuck, got stuck renting. Opportunities come. One should always be ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the other thing, too. Like, don't just listen to me. I'm like, I'm not the knower of all of real estate. Um, I, you know, like, listen to me. Listen to some of the crash bros. Go make your own opinions. But just because some guy or a girl gets on the screen and says, don't buy a house because of such and such. Don't take that as gospel. You know, you gotta, you gotta, and not only that, you gotta look at your own market. Every single real estate market in the United States is completely its own organism. You know, what is selling, what's not selling, what is the, the high end home compared to the low end home. It's every, real estate market, it has its own ecosystem. So you have to know and connect with a local real estate agent to understand what's going on in that specific market. So a blanket statement, like the whole housing market is going to crash like it did in 2008, like those housing crash bros kept saying, I'm like, how could you even say that? We don't have enough houses on the market. And I've been screaming that forever. You know, the only time that I thought we were in big trouble, the only time, and I made videos about it and they're still on my channel, is that when the uh, the pandemonium started and everything shut down and real estate agents weren't even allowed to sell houses, I thought we were in big trouble. I honestly thought we were in big trouble. And then, of course, everything flipped on its, you know, flipped over you know, where everybody could sell again and people were buying houses like candy, you know, like they, like it was nothing and money was cheap. Money was super cheap. So it wasn't just the regular average buyer that was buying houses. You know, that you had those corporate investors that were buying up as much as they could. You had the smaller investors buying up as much as they could because the loans were so cheap. I mean, there, sometimes at one point, at one point it was like right at 2%. If you have a 2% mortgage, you think you're going to sell your house today? Absolutely not. The only way you would sell it is if you lost your job and you couldn't pay your mortgage, you know? Um, and then I made an apology video saying, I'm sorry that that was wrong. You know, I was wrong. <laughs> you know? But I mean, that 
it is what it is. I mean, I saw the data. I saw what was going on. I made a video. It didn't end up being that way. And I made a correction towards it. Some people won't let me live that down, though. <laughs> Some people still to this day are like, you were wrong about this. I'm like, I've made at least at least 30 videos since then saying I was wrong. <laughs> God forbid you make a mistake. Brian has a question. It says, looking at our listing, our house in the next six to eight months, should we list in October or wait till uh, next year, January, February? Okay, so Fran, this would depend on your area. This is very area specific because if you were to sell here in uh, Louisiana, for instance, you would wait until after Mardi Gras. You know, that's when you would wait. You know, January is Mardi Gras in January, February, maybe it's in March, April, you know, find out what Mardi Gras is in Louisiana and after Mardi Gras, that's when you sell your house. Um, in some areas, though, after school starts, September, October is a really hot time for people. They got their kids in school and they want to go look for houses, you know, while their kids are in school and they don't have to deal with it. Sometimes that becomes a really... Uh, specific time. Uh, traditionally, if you made it like a blanket, blanket statement to the housing market, you would, you know, you want to not sell in the winter time and you want to sell it in the springtime. That would be the, you know, the, if you took all the housing markets together, this is what on average home, more homes sell in the spring, early summer than they do in the uh, fall and winter. So just that's how that works. If you have a question, feel free to uh, put it in the chat. I will answer anything. Um, if you want to move to the top of the list of that chat, you can always send out a super chat. Also, I want to thank uh, Construction Cronies. He actually gave out five channel memberships today to the first five people that were in my chat. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate that. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that. MR says, question, what do you think of the situation of the Northeast compared to the rest of the country? What specific situation are you talking about? Are you talking about the rental situation? Are you talking about the fact that home prices are going up a lot more than they are on the East West Coast? I mean, the East Coast is going up much more than the, the West Coast. What specifically are you referring to? I will gladly answer that. But um, I mean, there, there's good reason why the East Coast would be going up in prices uh, much more than the West Coast. The we like some of the West Coast areas like Phoenix, Arizona, um, Las Vegas, you know, those areas have more new construction, like Austin, Texas even saw a decline for a while there. But you know what happened after that? After that rush of decline, home buyers are back at it. They're buying up again. And they didn't, it didn't collapse. It didn't do what the crash bros said it was going to do, which is totally fall out. And, you know, you're going to get all these great deals. It still hasn't happened. Eventually, eventually the crash bros are going to be right. At, at some point, they're going to be right. We're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. And I can't, I won't even make a prediction that when the housing crash or if the housing crash is going to happen, because we do not have enough houses built we do not have enough homes built. We do not have enough supply of homes to meet the demand of how many people actually need a house to live in. That's, and we don't even have that for rental properties either. That's why rental properties are still going up in price in most areas around the United States. So anyways, <laughs> uh-oh, what did Eddie do? 
It says, I'm Eddie and I'm married. Just stop. Oh, my husband's name is Eddie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got it. I'm, I'm talking to my Eddie in the background. I'm not talking to you, Eddie. I'm talking about Eddie. <laughs> K Fabe says, uh, and, uh, Minnesota Ozarks used to be easily affordable for before the new century. Now you may may get that in one in a hundred, one in a hundred. Lucky find. Osage Beach and much of Branson is is priced for millionaires. And you know what the other problem with that is? So when you have a place that used to be super affordable and you have people that have lived there forever, right? They end up growing up and having families and they want to stay there. But the homes around the area are too expensive for them to live there. So they struggle to find a place to live. And then the millionaires and billionaires won't allow for more affordable homes like apartment buildings because they say it, it looks bad on the on the area and they won't allow for it. This has happened in uh, Montana. This has happened in Wyoming. They won't allow for apartments or more affordable homes to be built because the billionaires say it makes their homes look bad. They, they always say, no, not in my backyard. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. And then. In the future, then they then they complain. They're like, nobody wants to work. I mean, we're paying $20 an hour, but even at $20 an hour, 40 hours a week, it still isn't enough to pay for the average rent in the area. I mean, like they want one or the other. Either you want people to work there at a cheaper rate or you want to pay or you, like, what do you want? You have to do something. You can't just let people you know, like you can't expect them to want to stay in that area or work for your wages. If they can't find a place to live. And that that's been a problem in a lot of resort towns in Colorado, too. I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. So. Make 30 more. Make 30 more eddies. <laughs> I'm missing some context. Eddie <laughs> keeps filling this up. I'm missing context on these uh, comments. Eddie, you want to throw up another question, please? I should say put up. Every time I say throw up, I'm, I'm yeah. The NIMBYs. Yeah, that's right. NIMBYs are, are so entitled and miserable with others. Yes, they are. It seems the Northeast probe prices are going up consistently, even though the rest of the country seems to be in declining prices. It isn't the rest of the country. It's the West the west so from like austin texas had a solid decline phoenix arizona saw a decline um you know some of those areas along the west coast that had the highest amount of increase during the pandemic like some of them went up like 30 40 percent in one year i mean that's ridiculous that's absolutely ridiculous they saw the the biggest decreases but now they flatlined and now they're going back, trickling back up again. They're they're maintaining. So even though you you know you think you think that the home prices in some areas are dropping, they're not dropping enough. So like I think uh, San Francisco is one of the areas that it dropped, but you know they were so overpriced anyway. You know, you know. Do you remember the Full House house? Remember that house when they were when they showed that house on television? It was like one point five million dollars. And I think right now it's like over like 30 million or something ridiculous like that. You know, like, wow. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. Uh, how much higher can rates go up without uh, crashing the residential real estate? Well, everybody said once it hit 7%, everybody would stop buying. And that was true for a period of time. 
But what happened was people still needed a house. So they made compromises and the people that had enough money to buy down rates or do the five, uh, like do a buy down of their rate or, you know, did a, a more crafty mortgage, hoping that mortgage rates will go down in the future. They made different ways to make the home more affordable for them at that time. And sure enough, they started buying again. And then anytime the, the rates go down a little bit, sure enough, you can ask my friend who was supposed to be on last week that I had to cancel, but he said, as soon as the rates trickle down, just a, a scotch, just a little bit, the phone starts ringing off the hook and people start filling in applications again. We just don't have enough supply of houses. We just don't. Baton Rouge is though, I would let you know if you're interested in Baton Rouge, we, we, we are starting to see a, a decline of the amount of homes that are for sale, but there are, there are, I'm seeing some deals come out there as we head into uh, the fall season. So living in Omaha, uh, David, living in Omaha, David Matney, Matney says a broken clock is always right twice. You know what? Are you talking about the hosing crash bros? Yeah. At, at some point they will be right. <laughs> at some point they will be right. Yep. Suzanne says it costs about 2K to rent a one bedroom, one bath rental here in Central Florida. And you know what, Suzanne? And I've showed this in a video before. My husband and I, when we uh, were pregnant with our first baby, were able to buy our first house for $135,000 and the interest rate was 7.5%, which was, which was a deal at that time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I know that a lot of people would be so happy to find a three bedroom, two bath house for 135,000 in central Florida at seven and a half percent. They would, I mean, that house would be flying off the market. At that time, my husband, I was a hairdresser at that time. I used to cut hair at JCPenney at the Altamont Springs mall. And my husband was in sales and our jobs were just enough, you know, like just enough today, people working the same kind of jobs, making the same kind of income that would be adjusted for inflation, what we were doing would not be able to find a home in that area at all. There's, it's impossible. It's impossible. Our old house is, we, we bought it for 135. I, I think it was 407 was the price of it now. 407, 135. And my daughter now is 20 years old. So it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 135 to a 407. That's, a, I mean, and that's when it, it had gone up and then it had dropped down because of the housing crash. And then it went right back up again. Unreal. Crow Homestead. Nice to see you, my friend. I haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you again. Um, and Christina, exactly. In the UK, the rural and coastal locals are being pushed out by the retired upper middle class. The countryside is now beyond, now the playground for the rich here. Yep. And that's, and that's what's happening to a lot of areas. Like we saw it when we were kids, you know, like if we went up to the Cape, they used to have all these little cottages and I'm talking one bedroom cottages, like little tiny cottages. And now they're like million dollar estates. Cause what they would do is the rich people would buy up those little cottages buy up like three or four of them, then build a little McMansion right there. Buy their, you know, their little beach house instead of leaving the little cottages for families to hang out by the beach. It was used to be fun, but whatever. Creative Frugal Fun has another question. It says, what is your thought on putting a mobile home or converting a shipping container to be an ADU? If you're asking me my opinion about this, I would, I personally would not do a shipping container home. After I've seen and spoken to 
many, many people, many people that have taken a uh, shipping container and converted it into a an ADU home in the backyard, it cost them way more money than, than they anticipated. The, the insulation alone, the uh, electricity, getting it up to code, um, you know, like making sure the water runoff is, making sure it's graded correctly, like all these things add up. And by the time it's all said and done, you could have built yourself a really nice house. Um, the, they, they glorified shipping containers as something affordable. And by the time you get it all set up into a house, it's not very affordable anymore. Even the shipping container itself, you can get them for like $6,000, right? The, like you're thinking, well, that's half the battle. No, it's not. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So if it was me, I would pick a small manufactured home. You get something called a, um, a park model home, which would be built to RV specifications. And it looks like a little tiny house, but it's built to RV specifications. If you're wanting to put it on there, you would have to take it off the wheels, but you can do that. It's very possible. Um, you take it off the wheels, you can put it up on piers on a slab foundation so the water can flow underneath it. Um, that's very possible. And it would be a lot less expensive than trying to convert a shipping container home. So that's my opinion. Yeah. So uh, Lee, Lee said uh, interest rates have been higher in the past. Yeah, they sure they have. Um, I think my parents, I think they said, <laughs> I think they said when they lived in Massachusetts, it was, uh, I think, 12.5 or 13.5% was their mortgage in 1974, 5, 70, 74. Yeah. 74. Um, so, uh, another question says full house homes sold for 5.3 million in 2020. Oh, 5.3, 5. 5. but I think it's even like that was in 2020. I think it's like ridiculously, I think it's like 15 million now because of the price increases. It's like, I, I forgot where I saw that article, but it's like so expensive now. <laughs> so expensive. And I want to know how that family afforded that, you know, that, that, that dad must have been having a heck of a career, you know? <laughs> uh Question, uh, question. Thank you so much. On, on one last question, what is one piece of advice you would give to a 27-year-old girl with a single income attempting to buy their first home? I would say budget it all out. I would say uh, work with your lender. Find out what um, programs are available in your state for first-time home buyers. Um, find out if there's any bond money, meaning that they, they'll give you money for the state will give you money for closing costs. Ask them all the ways to Sunday you can you can get a mortgage and what's the cheapest way you can do that. Because I know what the bottom line for you is how much is that payment going to cost you? And so I would have a long, very detailed, lots of questions, conversation with a lender. If you feel like this lender is bullying you or it makes you feel stupid go to another lender, just pick out another one. There's hundreds in your area, hundreds. And if they're being a jerk, go somewhere else. That's for sure. Oh, we had another $5 super chat. Suzanne says, do you think FOMO is a bigger or smaller issue for first time home buyers? Or do you think the fear is a legit concern? Um, right now, I don't think it's a fear of missing out problem. They know, like I, the younger people that I know, know that there isn't any homes available and they are not stupid. They realize that this is probably going to be their only chance to buy a house. 
if if we don't work on the supply. So they they're trying to get in before it's too late for them. So I don't think it's a fear of missing out. It's the fact of lack of opportunity if they wait. So uh, there were some people during the pandemic that regretted buying a home because it wasn't exactly what they wanted because there wasn't enough um supply of houses available to them so they kind of compromised and bought a house they didn't really like so they had a like a buyer's remorse to it but now when they see how much money they've earned by staying in that house for another two years they're like well it wasn't what we wanted i guess we could redo the kitchen after all you know so i think there's a lot of that um there was such a rush of home for homes during the pandemic. I think people like almost treat it like a gambling, you know, how like when you gamble and you get the fever, you know, you're like, I want to win this one. I want to win this one. So I think some people settled for houses they didn't really care for. But now that they've earned that money, it's kind of like, well, I guess we'll stay here until interest rates drop again because I made some bank. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. I appreciate you. Even our moderators. Look how nice our moderators are. They even thank, thank people. <laughs> Joni Johnson says, do you think, uh, do you know anything about building with steel wall studs instead of stick belt? Is it better, uh, more noisy? Your thoughts? Yes, I do actually know something about it. It is not more noisy. You don't get any more noise. And um, here in Louisiana, I wish they would do it because of the fact that we have such a termite problem. There's two kinds of houses in Louisiana, the ones that have termites and the ones that are going to get them. <laughs> At some point, every house in Louisiana gets termites. So steel construction, to me, is a, it's a better way, more secure way to, to build a house. Now, unless you live on the, on the coastline of Florida, you know, I wish they would do it because stick build houses fall over like dominoes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think there, there is no extra noise because it's steel built. You don't have a, you wouldn't even know the difference once you get the drywall and the insulation in there. Wouldn't even know the difference. But anybody that doesn't know uh, houses in Florida, I, I think all the way to central Florida, I think by law, they have to be cinder block because of hurricane winds. So, yep. Question, is there a, is the area where you live in Louisiana more affordable than Altamont Springs? Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. So Noreen, this is no joke. We, we sell our house in Florida and um, I, you know, hire a real estate agent and she shows me the first home that's in our price range. And I'm like, I'm looking at Eddie and I go, how much, how much did you tell her that we could afford? He's like, I told her our budget. I'm like, this is way, this is way beyond our budget. And she, and he's like, I, sh I told her and I'm like, can I see the paper for this house? And she shows it to me. And I'm like, is this price right? And she's like, yeah, yeah. They only want 190 for it. I was like, <laughs> I felt like I won the freaking lottery when I saw like what I sold my house for and what I bought here was so drastically different. I mean, I was like, I had 500 square feet more. I had crown molding. I had, it was brand new too. I had, uh, you know, you know, solid wood floors. I mean, a huge kitchen with a stacked uh, uh, cabinetry, wood, real wood, not even like, I felt like I won the freaking lottery. I was like, I was so happy. I didn't want to leave the house. I was so excited. <laughs> so excited. The only reason I sold that house is because I had crummy neighbors. <laughs> if I didn't have crummy neighbors, I would have never left that house. But my neighbors were the pits the absolute pit. 
<laughs> park models are cute. Yeah. So anybody doesn't know a park model house kind of looks like a, a tiny home and they're, they're kind of like a shotgun style where you have the little porch in the front and they're, they're like lengthwise really, they're really cute. You can get them other ways too, where the door's on the side, but yeah, park models are adorable. Um, some of them, par some park models are built to RV, uh, to a uh, HUD manufactured home, uh, HUD manufactured home standards, construction standards, but most are built to RV standards and they're technically not meant for long-term living use. It says it right on the, on the, on the boards, on the uh, code itself. They're not meant for long-term living use. They're supposed to be a, a camp, but there's so many people that live in them year round. I'm not saying to do that because the manufacturer says not to do that, but people do it. People do it. Wow, we have 415 people watching today. Thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate every single one of you stopping in and saying hello. What's uh, where? How's our uh, poll going? Oh, it's still like at 44%. Still, people say, uh, is foreign investors pulling out of the housing market a good sign? Still, 44% of you saying, yeah, it's the less competition for homes. Fantastic. It's great. Get them out of here. <laughs> uh, now, if we could get uh, domestic investors to stop building build-to-rent houses and buying up all the affordable homes in every area, that'd be awesome. You know, but we could, it could happen. You know, everybody needs to get into your local uh, housing and development meetings. They have them all the time. Step in there and say, look, I don't want this. I don't want built to rent housing. I want real houses to be built here. So it, there's been areas that have been doing it. Eddie, if you can find that article, I'd be awesome if you could. JK says, JK, I like that name. It says, why is everyone, uh, everyone live on the east side of Mississippi River in Baton Rouge? Is the western side dangerous or something? I have no opinion about this. I really, I couldn't, I don't know the answer. I, I don't, I genuinely do not know the answer of that. Um, I, maybe it's some kind of flooding thing. I have no idea. I, I've only lived in Louisiana now 17, 18 years. I've only lived here 18 years and I don't, I'm a, such a homebody. I don't leave outside of Baton Rouge. You know, like we'll go to, we'll go to the big city of New Orleans <laughs> and that's about it. I don't travel much out of there. I went to Bastrop, Louisiana one time to escape Hurricane Gustav. And it was like a totally different part of the, the world. It, that part of Louisiana looks like more like Arkansas than it does. Like down here is completely different. So I, I wish I had an answer for you. I do not. Anybody from Louisiana can answer JK's uh, question. Please do. Please do. Eddie's the, oh, Eddie says it's the taxes and the built up, uh, they built up, they built it up more in the East, more than the West. Eddie answered me in the private chat on the side here. <laughs> All right. Emily Green says a real estate agent we spoke to on Friday said that we, uh, th said that from what he saw, the wise home buyers are saving their money to buy outright cash, thereby negating the mortgage. How many people, like, I'm doing a poll of my own right here. How many people have a, like, let's, let's just say this, median home prices right now are just over 400000 How many people have $400,000 cash to buy a house? How many people have $400,000 cash to buy a home? I, I know that a lot of people are, do you know what a lot of younger people are doing? 
their parents are cashing out their equity in their houses to help their kids be able to buy a home. And then when the mortgage rates get better, they're going to allow their kids to refinance and pay them back. Wild, right? <laughs> Not me. A lot of those. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. A lot of them. It takes, some people say it take 10 years, 10 years to save up that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't have $400,000 or $400 cash. The, you know, they're, the, a good portion of the United States is one paycheck, one paycheck away from losing everything. If, if they lost their jobs tomorrow, they would not be able to pay, like they would, their lives would be ruined. They're one illness away from disaster. Um, and, and the world we live in now, everything's so expensive. I spent $100 on groceries and it was two grocery bags. Two, those are reusable grocery bags, but even still two grocery bags. And then when I brought it home, Eddie goes, oh, that wasn't so bad. I'm like, according to who? <laughs> like, this is terrible. I only had a pack, like I had two packs of chicken. And both of those packs of chicken, it was a buy one, get one free for chicken breast. That was the only meat I had in there. Ridiculous. The cost of living right now is astronomical. And the, the driving force of the cost of living being so incredibly high is rent, housing. Housing is the number one reason why things are so expensive. They, they even say that why most people can't afford their life is because of housing. R.E.M. says, I lost uh, 300,000. Oops, Eddie, go back. I can't even finish reading that. I lost 300,000 when I sold my house in 2000, at the end of 2019. Thanks a lot, BlackRock. Yeah. Blackstone, BlackRock, um, Vanguard, all of them. They all sit on boards. I mean, every single one of those companies are, we're all owned by them. <laughs> Lawmower says, uh, not exactly cash. I'd uh, take me a week to get it. And I'd live off uh, some pensions and uh, military retirement only. Yeah. And you know what? I know some other people that uh, during like the pandemic in order to purchase their house, some younger people tapped into their 401ks. At the time, I thought it was the dumbest idea on the planet. I even said it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're, you're just counting on the fact that these prices are going to hold. Well, it ended up being they were right. They were right. I, I, I'm too scared. If I had that much money, to me, once the money is in a, in that kind of savings in a 401k, it, it isn't real money to me anymore. It doesn't exist until I need it. It's off to the side. So to tap into that would have like made my stomach gurgle, you know, but they were doing it and they felt confident in it and they did and they got themselves a house and now they've got, you know, what, hundred plus, hundred K plus in equity from it. You know, it was a good, it was a good bet. So Byron Thomas says, uh, so you only want houses to be listed by realtors only. My understanding I am getting from you is investors are not welcome in housing markets. I never said that. I don't, Byron, you got that wrong. I don't care if you sell it yourself. No, what I'm saying is that corporate investors buying up every affordable house in the area, turning them into rentals, then being able to dictate what the rental costs are in the area is not a good thing, period. And I don't think, of course, you need investors. And that's how an area grows, you know. And uh, I'm actually, a video is coming out 
I don't, you're going to be, everybody's going to be shocked. All 459, uh, 459 viewers right now. I think that, uh, if you're going, like people have been tossing around the idea of capping, uh, rent prices, like, you know, controlling rent, rent control, rent control. I, after doing a lot of digging is a terrible idea. And I know if you're a renter, you're like, we have to have rent control because this is getting out of hand. But if you look at the reasons why rent control down the line is a terrible idea, I suggest you really look, like watch my video on Tuesday and see what happens when areas do become rent controlled. It isn't, it isn't roses. It isn't roses at all. And uh, very few people benefit from the, the availability of rent control. Years later, it, properties become dilapidated. Uh, there's no incentive for investors to come in to build more because they're going to be rent controlled. A lot of properties that were once uh, in the more affordable range end up being re renovated and turned into luxury so they wouldn't be rent controlled. So rent control is not a good idea. You know, I don't hate investors. Absolutely not. I think you have that, you have that wrong, completely wrong. We need them. We need people. We need investors. We need investors to invest into making more homes for other people. So, yep, yep, yep. I don't, I'm just not a big fan of the corporate investor who's buying up all the land that what is meant for residential rent, residential properties and then turning those every single house in that subdivision into a rental unit. I hate that. I think that's terrible. Eddie already put that up on the screen. I just answered that. Yep. Okay. Joni Johnson says, have you ever heard of Orca LGS modular? Looks really interesting. They build panels with mobile equipment to fabricate with steel on site. They offer kits to fully finished. Looks interesting. No, I have not, but I'm going to go ahead and type that in my notes right now because I'm always looking for really interesting modular home companies. Um, I'm always very cautious and I like to uh, see that they've been around for a hot minute. Um, a lot of companies, they start off really good um, with a good idea they, and they either uh, get bought out or they end up biting off more than they can chew. Um, but I love, I love the idea of kit homes. If you remember, um, Years ago, they they did kit homes on Sears, Sears and Roebuck. And those houses, those craftsman style homes are still available. You can still see them all through uh, even California. They're so pretty. I wish they'd make those again. Oh, here it is. Look. Oh, they have little pods. Little pods. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it. There's a real picture of a real house. That's a that's a bonus. Oh, this are in Canada, though. They're in Canada. Canada. Canada is more uh, open-minded when it comes to modular construction than we are here in the U.S. Um, especially when you, like, the more you go past the middle part of the country, you just don't see proper modular construction. You see something called hybrid, hybrid modular. And it's really, it's actually a, it's actually a manufactured home that they added some modular components to and said, oh, look at this modular-esque home. 
<laughs> it's not modular. It's not. It's a it's a manufactured home that has some upgrades to it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, exactly, Crow. Exactly. These pods seem like the finished summer homes. Yeah, you're exactly right. So Scandinavian countries have been doing modulars forever. And the reason they do is because it's freaking cold. You know, they can't build, they can't build year round in, uh, you know, those Scandinavian countries. So they, they build the house in a factory. So when, you know, the permafrost is frozen, they can go ahead and throw these modular homes up as quickly as possible. Like that's why they have those cool, modern, modern looking modular homes that, you know, at least the United States is starting to catch on more and more people are starting to like that idea. And, and it seems to be that builders are heeding the call. So Suzanne says, yes, same here in Central Florida. Anything under 200K is a dump and needs a ton of work. Why would I buy 100 at 190K and need to spend 100 to fix it? Yep. I want it to buy cheap and that's not cheap. Exactly. Suzanne, you might be stuck with um, a condo or a townhouse in there, you know, around there. Ginger says, preach, corporate investors are killing the American dream. Absolutely. I've done like five videos on it, but I've been, but I've been talking about this since 2019 because I started doing videos about corporate investors buying manufactured home parks. And then the more I started like digging past the layers, I saw what else they were doing, which was buying up all the affordable homes and turning them into rentals. But like what they do to people that live in manufactured home parks is the most disgusting and egregious things you could possibly imagine. People that are on fixed incomes that have lived there for 20 years, they are like, all of a sudden they'll say, well, you know, I know that the house is paid for and everything, but we're raising the rent in this park to clean it up to $1,500 a month when they were paying $375 a, a month. You know, they're paying $375, but now they're going to be $1,500. There's nothing to stop that. And especially when you're renting pieces of land, there's no legislation that protects the people that live in those parks. None, none whatsoever. And I, that to me is the most disgusting thing because they don't even care. They could care less that they're putting out an 80 year old woman on the street because there's no place for her to live because she's been on this fixed income. Rents are so high in her area. Now she has nowhere to go. She paid for that house over 15 years ago. And now she has no place to go. It's the same story across the country because corporate investors, they're sick. They're sick. Nobody cares. Nothing's being done about it. But Living in Omaha says, uh, scariest words I've ever spoken. I'm from the government here to help. <laughs> the only time I enjoyed hearing that was during, uh, after Gustav, honestly. Um, we had so many neighbors and even government officials that really did help to get we had 14 days in this little small town outside of baton rouge 14 days without electricity and uh, the government and local officials did work together to get our electricity back on we were a hot mess after that yeah so diamond rush media says sears kit the homes bring them back i agree i agree they had the most killer designs you know like they the storage in them was amazing they had like Every last detail of those houses came in a little box. Even the like the warbles on the um, cabinetry, um, they were you know the banisters that swirled around. All of those pieces came to your house, came to or in for with the house. Did you know that those uh, 
those homes came on a train. So you like you actually had to go to the train yard and pick up, you know, have somebody pick it up with a forklift and bring it to your location because it was so heavy. It was so heavy. Yeah. And like some people said that, yeah, my dad said he was going to do it himself. He said he thought it was going to take him five years and 15 years later, he finally finished. <laughs> so men always have high hopes. You know, That doesn't matter what generation you're from. You know, time, time is not one of those things. They're like, oh, that only take a minute, four hours later. Oh, that was more than I thought. <laughs> I'm a little guilty of it myself. And it isn't just men, it's women too. But, you know, I got to get a little, little stick in there. <laughs> Tisha says, Americans have been brainwashed to believe investors are the are an asset, not a liability. Invest, investors are just self-serving. There's no benefits but the investor. To a degree. I, I agree with you to a degree. You need people to invest in your area. For instance, let's just give a, an area can grow exponentially because investors have invested in that local area for businesses. The more businesses that come into that area because of investors means more jobs for that area. It allows for growth. You have to have investments or you remain stagnant or you fail. Uh, like I've seen towns that were booming, bustling areas that stopped investors altogether from coming into their area and now they're ghost towns you you definitely need investors to a degree but everything has to be controlled you can't let them take over everything especially the housing market because they will dictate the price and they can find out that then if they dictate the price they can also dictate if the housing market's going to fail because they can say you know what we own let's say 25 percent of this specific area we're going to dump all of our homes all at once on the market. And what does that do? That crashes home prices. I don't think it's a great idea to have one company owning all the real estate or a good portion of the real estate in an area. I think it's a piss poor idea. Super chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for the $5 super chat. What do you think if uh, they changed the rules and made FHA conventional loans assumable, like uh, uh, VA loans? That could work. That, that could work. I also think that, um, you remember years ago when they gave the um, first time home buyer, um, they gave him like $6,000 to buy a home during the last housing crash. What if they gave home sellers an incentive for um, selling their house? What if they gave them um, like some kind of tax credit uh, for selling their home, a smaller home, like let's just say a home that was under 1500 square feet. Uh, and they sold it and they could get some kind of tax credit. That's what I think would be a great idea. Just so we could get some more inventory. Thank you. <laughs> JK gave me a $5 super chat for my giant mug. I like big mugs and I cannot lie. <laughs> Let me try that again. I like big mugs and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hopefully everybody knows what the song I'm referring to. Because I'm... <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for my, my giant mug. You can buy these on Amazon. I tried to get somebody to make them for me because I wanted a logo on them. I couldn't find anybody that made mugs this big. And then in order to purchase them and then put the logo on there, they would just be too expensive. It'd be ridiculous. I wouldn't want you guys to pay that kind of money for a mug. 
Christina, are you aware that insurers won't insure homes in California now due to the risk of fire? No insurance means your mortgage gets foreclosed. It happens, as, it's happening as we speak. Uh, Crow, a, a matter of fact, I did a video about this because Eddie and I have uh, one of our uh, properties, it actually went up double. So the, the only time I've ever raised the rent, rent in my, for my, um, my rental properties is if the property insurance went up or the, the insurance, the property insurance went up or the taxes went up and our, our taxes, our property insurance doubled. It was, it's double the price that it was a year ago. And, um, the insurance company is ridiculous. They wanted us to take down trees in other neighbors' yards because they said it was a, a risk. This this is a problem, but even like in Florida and California, they'll have a um, what they call like a state insurance, which is going to be more expensive. Um, and they'll have a state insurance so you can go ahead and get a mortgage. Not only that, more, your mortgage company, if you don't have insurance, they'll find you insurance. It's expensive. It's expensive, but they'll they'll put a mortgage on there because if you a lot of people separate their payment, their mortgage payment, they'll make it like their taxes. They pay separately. They don't have it rolled into their house payment at all. And if you don't pay your mortgage payment, of course, then the it lapses and your mortgage company is like, uh-uh, and they just go ahead and tack on some random company <laughs> to your to your uh, mortgage payment. Yep. So farmer's insurance is the fourth major insurer to leave Florida underlying the insurance crisis. This has happened in Florida. It's happened in California. It's happened in Texas and it's happened in Louisiana. We have we have felt the burn here and even our uh, taxes. I mean, our home insurance for our primary residents went up. It didn't go as up, up as much as the rental property, but it did go up. Yep. So Louisiana has citizen insurance, which is like a, if you're, you know, can't get insurance, you go on the on citizens. It's much more expensive. Florida has the same thing. So does California. So if you can't afford it though, then you're going to have to sell and you know who it's going to be the first who guess who would be the first people to come in and buy up your house guess guess who investors investors they'll they'll take those houses and they'll either you know put them on stilts or they're just going to buy them cash they don't need insurance they'll they'll just make them into vacation properties so they can make more money turn them into airbnbs you know that's how it works yeah blackrock <laughs> blackrock blackstone um all those companies, Tricon, they'll just buy them up. They'll just, that's how they are. Hedge funds. Yep. Yep. Wasn't a sumable loan. I know I can Google it, but yeah, I gotcha. So a sumable loan is like, I have a 6.7% mortgage, uh, or I, I'm sorry, I have a 2.75% mortgage rate. So you can assume my payments, you assume my mortgage and anything as far as the equity in my home that is above that, you would come out of pocket and pay for that. Or you could get like a second mortgage for that extra amount that's that's above the, the assumed mortgage. Um, it, VA mortgages work that way. The problem is, is that a lot of people like love that idea, but the equity is so high so like, a, let's just say my, we'll take my house that we bought in Florida. If I was to sell it today, it's 147. Uh, when I bought it, it was 135. Now it's 407,000. And let's just say I had a 2.75% mortgage on that. You want to assume my mortgage? Well, I only owe 100,000. You're going to give me $300,000 cash to, to uh, you know, for me to leave my house to assume my mortgage? Are you going to do that? Most people can't.
most people can't. You're just counting on the fact that there isn't that much equity that you can assume their mortgage and uh, not come out a ton of money out of your own pocket. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. Nice mugs. Thanks. <laughs> Housing is being treated like as business for profit. Absolutely. And not a place to live and raise a family. And it should be treated. That is the problem. 100%. Once, once Wall Street figured out the recipe to make a boatload of money in real estate, that's what happened. Once they were forced after the last housing crash, a lot of these areas, banks had a excess amount of homes and they were like, you got us into this mess because you told us to sell this product. You're going to get us out of this mess because you're going to buy up all these homes. And they were like, what do we do with them? Well, let's just fix them up and rent them out. And then they started making serious cash. And they were like, this is amazing. And the more the whispers on Wall Street said we can make great money in real estate by doing it like this, the more the hedge funds were like, let's do it. Let's do it. The REITs were all over it, especially in mobile home parks. They were like, this is a cash cow, you know, and there's nothing, there's no regulation behind it. We are making hand over fist and no one's stopping us. We can keep raising the rents and squeezing these people out and they don't care because all they have to do is answer to, uh, you know, they have to answer to their boards. And if you answer to the boards and you're telling them you're making all this money, they're just, they just keep doing it. It's greed, greedflation. <laughs> That's what that is. A lot of it. Yep. Housing shortage is a miss. Shortage of homes is not, is in a hot, hot, hot markets is true, but there are many, many, many cheap homes throughout the United States. Well, I mean, it depends on like where you want to live, right? There are, I mean, yes, there's cheap homes everywhere, but not everybody can afford to move. Moving isn't cheap on its own. I mean, have you looked to see how much a rental is just for a U-Haul? You know, what is an affordable housing and why is it important? I already could answer this. Affordable is if the median income in the area does not support the medium cost of a home, that's a problem. Most areas in the United States, the median income doesn't even come anywhere close to the median cost of a home in that area. In fact, the most recent housing shortage that occurred in, during COVID is still ongoing and caused housing prices to increase over 40%. That has resulted in an average price of a house in the U.S. raising nearly, now it's over 400. I don't know how old this article is nearly to 350,000. However, the average price accounts for each state in every county. So average pricing is various by states and cities, depending on the particular housing. Yep. I don't believe it's a, it's a myth. I, I don't believe there's, it's a myth that there's a housing shortage. There truly is. And there has been, and I've been saying this before the pandemic, there was a housing shortage and there was a problem. If you actually look at the charts and show how much, how many towns have been built since the last housing crash, it's, like this. Like if you look at the chart, it goes all the way down the bottom. They're, they haven't been building them. They just, a builder, why would a builder build, instead of building 50 houses that he might sell by the end of the year, he's he builds 25 houses that he knows he can sell. And why build an affordable house when he can build a, a luxury home and make quadruple the amount of money? I mean, there's no incentive for builders to build smaller, affordable homes. We have to make that as some, that, this is where this is where I get people all mad. This is where we have to have incentives from the government for builders to do this. And what I mean by that is tax incentives. 
So that way they're encouraged to invest in an area to build smaller homes so you can start housing those younger generations. So that's what I have to say about that. Uh -huh, you read like one again. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you. Uh, Mini Art Studio says, can you uh, buy a decal from Zazzle for that mug? I don't know. I'll go look. I never, I never looked at Zazzle. <laughs> oh, Crow Homestead has a great name. Instead of Black Rot, <laughs> look at that. But as, instead of Black Stone or Black Rock, we can call it Black Rot. <laughs> yeah, rotten. Rotten to the core. Yeah, so my mom, um, you missed the beginning of the stream. My mom is is better. She's back home. She's on oxygen. She did not have a heart attack, which they originally thought she was having a heart attack. So she's going to be fine. So if anybody is looking for a real estate agent in your area and you want a personal phone call for me, go ahead and go to my website and click on one of the pink buttons and just, just book a call with me. I'll give you a call. It, I don't give you time to fill out for that time. Like I just leave your address, leave your email address, leave your phone number. I'll give you a call. I'll give you a referral in that area. Most likely you'll be in California. That's the number one area. <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody if you're looking for, for an area. I want to say thank you to everybody that did check on me last week uh, after my mom's um, sudden um, illness. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. I appreciate everybody respecting, um, what had happened and understanding. It, it means a lot. I, I appreciate all my moderators too, coming in week after week, making sure the chat stays clean. And, uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I'm going to, hopefully I can get a lender on here again, because I had to cancel last week, but I would like to answer some of your uh, questions, especially when it comes to certain kinds of loan uh, packages. Eddie allows me to talk about this. If you're looking to listen to this on the replay and you're in your car, you can always go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and look for Christina Smallhorn, Real Estate for Everyone, or Real Estate for Everyone with Christina Smallhorn. And everything that happened today on this on YouTube is uh, uh, is going to be on that podcast. Tuesday, the video that comes out will be about rent control. Rent control. You guys already have a heads up. You already know what's going. I'm going to say in it. <laughs> you already know what I'm going to say. So it's it's a hot topic, especially when it comes to affordable housing. I completely understand, but uh, Christina isn't a big fan of the rent control idea for many reasons. And you'll find out why on Tuesday. So all right, everybody, I'm sorry, Wednesday, Wednesday, my videos come out on Wednesday now. So all right, everybody, thank you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you again. So long. Farewell. Havitas and goodbye. Adieu to you, to you and you and you. Oh, I just got some jams on. Oh, we have lyrics today. I don't even know the song. Do you know the song? I don't know. Bye, Krishna. Bye, Debbie. See you, lawnmower. Bye, Joni. <laughs> See you, Aria. Bye, PA. See you next Sunday. Bye, B-Man.